Okay, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 12. We'll be working on the latter part of chapter 12 today. And we had spoken last time about the first part of chapter 12. And let's pick it up in verse 19 of 1 Samuel chapter 12. Verse 19. Then all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, so that we may not die. For we have added to our sins this evil by asking for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. You must not turn aside, for then you would go after futile things, which cannot profit or deliver, because they are futile. For the Lord will not abandon His people on account of His great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for Himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you in a good and a right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider what what great things He's done for you. But if you still do wickedly, both you and your king will be swept, swept away. Okay, so the people finally come to a realization of the position that they're now in, that they have a king that God necessarily did not want them to have. But they're stuck in this situation. But he says, look, I want you to not turn away from seeking the Lord now. And so I want to bring this back to a, a practical way that how do we know when we're doing the right thing? How do we know that we're making the right decisions? You know, what, what is the indication? You know, how do we know what is the right career for us? What is the right job to take? You know, so when you, you define what your career is going to be in certain ways, you become an engineer, you become a chemist, or you become an architect, but then what job do you take? You know, there's all these things before us. Or, who do, we, who do we select as a spouse? I mean, who should that be? What, what's the, the format that you should go about? What are the things that you should look at in choosing these sort of things? These are all big decisions. What do you do? Where are you going to live? You know, say you get multiple job offers. I mean, how do you decide between those? How do you decide between different cities? You know, these are big decisions that are before us. And how do you do this? And, you know, because there's, there's an admonition here in verse 20. He says, don't fear. He says, but don't turn aside from following the Lord. <clears throat> now, I see young people make decisions all the time because I'm in an, working in an environment and in an atmosphere where people are making big decisions that are going to affect their lives in the long run. Very often, people will make a decision who they're going to marry sometime be between the ages of 20 and, and, and 25, 27. In that range, they're often making decisions on who they're going to marry. And this is the range of people with whom I work every day. The only people with whom I work every day are students in that age range. Students from 18 to 28 is, is basically the range that I work with. Once in a while, I'll have an older, older postdoc. You know, somebody might hit 30, but but usually 18 to 28. 
So they're defining what they're going to major in, which is a big deal. They're defining what their, so in that, you know, what their career is going to be, what their job is going to be, who their spouse is going to be. All of these big decisions that set on course the pattern of their lives. So I see different ways that people make these decisions and the outcomes of those decisions. And I've been, been teaching as a professor for 22 years, 23 years, something like that. And then before that, I was in school 10 years myself. So for a large part of my life, I've been in the academic environment for far more than half my life. I mean, this is where I've been, so I've seen this. And, you know, the Scripture gives us indications on how to make decisions, how to make big decisions. Look in, in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, and, and there's a clear indication here. <clears throat> in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, it says, A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. So it says, a wise man will hear. I mean, this is one of the first things. We've got to be open to listening. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to see rash decisions that people will make that set on course the pattern for their life. And very often they see something, they want it, and they don't want to hear anything else. And the reason they don't want to hear anything else is because they have their heart set, I want that. And if I listen to whatever anybody else tells me, then I'm going to be obliged to somehow take into consideration what they have to say. But I want that, so I don't want to hear anything else. And I see this pattern where, where often they don't want to hear. And in doing this, they often alienate their friends and their family. Because their friends and their family are wanting to speak into their lives. But they don't want to even hear it. And in that, they pull back from their friends and their family. And those who care about them because they want to make that decision. And, I, and I'll give you an example. Is that, is that uh, uh, there was a young lady in the class. And big decision, you know, who to marry. And she... You know, there was this guy that she met, and he wasn't a believer, and she didn't want to hear what I had to say. And she called up, she spoke to Shireen, and she said she wanted to get together with us, and Shireen asked, well, is, the, is this young man a believer? She said, well, no, not really. And she said, well, the first thing Dr. Tour is going to ask is, is he a believer, and ask him about his testimony. Well, then she never called back, and she never came over the house. And I understand why. Because she had her heart set on this guy and I was going to come in and probably mess it up. So why even hear it? Because I would just ask questions that I warned her ever since she had been young and in the class that I would ask. And, and the biggest thing to fear is not that I ask these questions. Fear the day when I don't ask these questions. You know, then, then we're all in trouble. It says, a, a wise man will hear an increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. God has put wise counselors around all of us. And I don't have all the answers, and I will seek counsel even from unbelievers at times. You say, why well, from unbelievers? Because they know a lot when it comes to certain things of this world. You know, I'll ask business 
decisions. Often, of successful business people that I know, not just believers, not, but also unbelievers, because they've been very successful in business, and I want their wise counsel. I'm not a business person, so I want their wise counsel, and I'll talk with them. When I was, had gotten the job offer from Rice, uh, you know, I wasn't sure if I should go, and I called my former professor, and I asked him, I said, you know, here's, I have this offer from Rice, here's what it is, and, and I talked with him for a while. I wanted his input. He's not a believer, but he knows the field of organic chemistry very well, and he knows universities and environments and places and pecking orders, and I wanted that counsel. I also asked my father, who's not a believer, but he's my father. And God gives special wisdom to our parents. Special wisdom. And I wanted his advice on this type of thing. I wanted to know what he had to, to say. What are, were his, his thoughts on that? And he gave me, you know, very vividly what his thoughts were. I asked my father-in-law. You know, I called him and I gave... And, you know, he... I, I, I don't know how far he went in education. Maybe middle school? Through high school. Through high school. So he never had a college education himself. But still, I wanted his insight because he's a, he's, a, he's a man of wisdom. And I wanted his insight on this. And I explained to him the different situations. I called my pastor and I talked to him about it. And I wanted his insight. And, and I took into account what they were saying. And in fact, every one of them said that I should go. So it was a very easy decision in that way. You know, I made a, I made a huge decision when, when I began to, to consider, you know, this feeling that was pounding <clears throat> in my heart concerning Cherie. You know, is this the woman that's supposed to be my wife? <clears throat> and when, you know, I started feeling this way about Shireen, it wasn't the first girl that I felt, you know, excited about. I mean, this happens in life. So how are you going to discern this thing? I mean, <clears throat> little boys have this thought about girls from the time they're five years old. <clears throat> you know, so, so how do you know when is the right time? What do you know? H- how are you going to know wh- which is the right one? <clears throat> and then especially you get into college... And there's so many chemicals moving through a young man's body, so many, <clears throat> that have a way of taking complete control of his mind and making him think totally irrationally. <clears throat> it, it, it can happen, and it happens all the time. So it can happen all the time, and I wanted to get some clarity on this. It's particularly important <clears throat> in this stage of life when you're in college and you're thinking about this because there's a tendency to be irrational. <clears throat> to make ir- irrational decisions on this. And there's all these other people around you that can help. Now, for one thing, your parents can help tremendously because they know you better than you know yourself. In many ways, God has given you also wisdom concerning, uh, given them wisdom concerning their children. Get their counsel on this. Let them meet the person. You know, I, I was, was talking to this young lady and she was saying that she had just gotten engaged, and she had been with this guy for like four or five years. She just got engaged, and after the engagement, the two families met. And I was like, you're crazy. You've been with this guy for all these years, and you, um, and you get engaged, and then the two families meet? I mean, the families should be an active part of this. This should be something that the families do. You know, there should be this, this 
understanding that when two people are coming together, families are coming together. And that doesn't mean that God can only bring together perfectly, you know, families that get together perfectly, but it's something you want to bring them in because you need the support of families when you get married. You need that support. You need the support of parents because marriage doesn't always go very easily. And you need parents to say, look, just hang in there. It's going to be all right. This is all normal. You know, your mother and I went through this sort of thing. And you get through this. You need this sort of counsel. You want the grandparents to be very involved with your children. This is good for the, the children that you're going to have, to have your parents become involved with them. So to surround yourself with good counsel. There is counsel available. There are people in your lives that are mentors to you in different ways. And when it comes to your career, you know, professors can help you a lot in career choices. And, and when students come to me, I just say, what do you like to do? <clears throat> well, my parents want me to become a doctor. I say, well, that's great. I'm happy for your parents. What do you like to do? What is it that you enjoy? Do you enjoy <clears throat> medicine, do you think? Well, I don't know. I've never studied medicine. Well, I'll tell you, medicine is a lot of information, and it comes at you. You have to memorize large amounts of information and then apply it. It's a lot like organic chemistry. Do you like organic chemistry? No, I hate organic chemistry. I'm miserable with organic chemistry. I said, you know, there's a good chance you won't like medicine either because that's all you're going to do throughout medical school is be given huge amounts of information and you have to regurgitate this information and that's what medicine is. I said, well, t tell me what you like. And, you know, like this one lady, she would come in. Every time she would come in to see me, she'd be carrying this huge book of English literature. You know these big ones? Like, I don't know if it was Norton's or something. I had Norton's in, in high school. But it was something like that. <clears throat> you know, some huge book that has, like, every masterpiece in there. And she'd always have this. Why are you always carrying this book? She said, oh, I just love to read this stuff. I just love it. So you like to read that? You like to read that? She says, yeah, this is great. I said, have you ever thought of, of becoming a, 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 a professor of, of literature? Me, a professor? I said, yeah, you love this stuff. How would you like to do this for the rest of your life? To read this kind of, uh, of work and to analyze it and then teach others. I mean, and her eyes just lit up, you know, to think about this. And so, it, for me, it's really a very simple thing. You know, it's not like I've been trained in this. It's just, you know, I ask people, what do you enjoy? And, you know, sometimes they'll tell me, well, I enjoy playing the guitar. And then I say, you know, that is great, but it's, it's tough to make a living that way. You know, you, you can make a living that way, but it's always going to be tough. I want you to know that. Well, you know, I'm going to go to Nashville and I'm going to do this and this and this. See, you know how hard it is? to start a career in Nashville? Do you know how much talent is there? And I just want them to know. Not that I want them to stop. And, and there was a guy, so a student came in and <clears throat> he was talking to me and I told him this and his father was telling him the same thing. But I was happy to let him go off for a couple of years and try. And he did. He went off for a couple of years. He, he, he wrote a few, <clears throat> composed a few CDs and, and did this. And then after a couple of years, he went to medical school. Now he's a physician. And so he was able to at least try the thing. So it's not this, this magic. It's just that there's people around you that can counsel. Now look what the scriptures say. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. And what I want you to hear in this is 
How does God say that we're going to hear His will? What does God have to say about this? Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. So let's stop right there. If you will receive my words. So if we have a tendency to accept what God is speaking to us. But if we have a tendency that every time He speaks with us, we reject it, then we hear less and less. He says, my son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commands within you. In other words, does this book, does this word of God impact our lives? Do we say, I love this book, I love your word, I love what it has to say. If you treasure my commands within you, if you really like this, because God's not going to force anything down our throats. But if we're saying, God, I love your word, I just want to know what you want. And this is what I was praying. You know, when, when I, just these thoughts of how beautiful Shireen was, would just keep coming to mind. Every time I would go to pray, I'd be thinking about her. I don't know what it was. I'd be walking down the street, I'd be thinking about her. I'd be sitting in chemistry class and I'm thinking about Shireen. I don't know if this has ever happened to anybody that they've thought about another person like this. Just all the time. Never? Never happened to you. <laughs> and that's why you're not married. Has, <laughs> has this ever happened to anybody else here? No? <laughs> One person. Maybe God, it's happened to you. Okay. All right. And so I just couldn't stop me. And every time I would go to pray, you know, I'd be reading everywhere and just she'd be on my mind. And I remember saying, God, this, this can't be right. And I've got to be able to focus here. And I hadn't even said anything to her. And I had only, it's not like we had dated at all. I had only met her at church. That's it. And I had seen her during the, you know, the, the prayer meetings and things. But I said, Lord, but if it's of you, increase it. But if it's not, Lord, please break this thing off. In my own heart, break it off. And it was months of just praying this, just praying this. And then finally I shared it with the leadership in the church and with her and her family. And and then the leadership said, let's pray. And I told the leadership, and I really meant it. I said, you know, because the pastor said, we'll pray for six months and discern his will. And I was so happy with that. People would say, like, six months? How can you wait that long? I was happy with six months. I was just an undergraduate. I wasn't making any money. It's not like, you know, I had to run out and get married and start having a family. I wasn't making anything. I was just spending money. You know, when you're a student, you just spend money. Somebody else's money, generally. <clears throat> and, and I was happy to wait six months. And I told them, if we're not all in agreement here, I don't want it. Because God could change the hearts. And I really meant it. And after six months, everybody was in agreement, except the associate pastor who was a friend of mine. And so I said, okay, I won't, we won't get married. But then the pastor said, let's pray another six months. And it was after that second six months that I had their blessing. And it was shortly after that that we got engaged. I mean, and I've never, ever have I doubted that I married the right person, that Shireen was the person for me. I've never had that doubt. But you talk to most young couples, and that thought will, they will say, you know, they, oh yeah, I thought about that a lot. I mean, I'm thinking about that right now, in fact. You know, they think about that a lot. Have I, they made the right decision. <clears throat> but this wasn't a decision that was <clears throat> made on the basis of a bunch of hormones going through my body. <clears throat> this was made in 
a huge amount of counsel that came from a large group of people that I really trusted. And our families were there. And, and uh, um, so the families were aware of this. And so we were able to get counsel and instruction. This is what he says, if you treasure my commands within you, if you really care to hear, you're going to hear. Verse 2, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. So look what he says, this is not a simple thing. God, what do you want from me? Oh yeah, okay. You know, and, and sometimes I see that. You know, people say, oh yes Lord, yes Lord, yes Lord, I understand. Okay Lord, thank you. And they get up and they go. I'm like, this is not the process that I see revealed in the Scripture. Once in a while, God may speak to you like that, but that may be once in a while when, you know, when, when, the, when, when a criminal's knocking at your door with a gun and pounding it in, and God gives you wisdom on what to do. But in general, it's a process. This is what He says. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. In other words, you, you make your ear attentive to wisdom. I want to hear what is the right counsel. You make your ear attentive to it. It's not this, oh yes, I hear it. I'll go do it. Because God just told me, marry her. No. You make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. It's an attitude of a position where I want to hear, Lord, what you have for me. God says, this is what God is saying. God says, if you guard your heart in that way... You really desire what I have. You make your heart attentive to that. Then I'll speak to you. Then I will speak to you. And I will make my will clear to you. If you cry, verse 3, if you cry for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. And it says, if you cry for discernment, God, I am not hearing you. Speak to me in this situation. Reveal your will to me. Speak to me. Let yourself be open to counsel. Let yourself be open to wisdom. If you cry out for understanding, for discernment, if you lift up your voice for understanding, in other words, you're praying to God, Lord, teach me. Then God says, I will answer. If you seek her as for silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Look at this. This is how he says he speaks. Wouldn't it be wonderful? You know, you're just walking along and just boom, God's speaking to you. No, it wouldn't be wonderful. Because he doesn't want us to be a bunch of robots where you say, go this way, go this way, okay, or go this way. No. There's all of this, this room that we have. And then appealing to God to get to know Him and to understand. He says, if you seek my insight as you would seek for silver, for hidden treasure... Verse 5, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. You'll get two things out of this. The fear of God, which we've spoken about before. That you really will fear God. God understands then that you really fear Him. It is through this process of discerning that, hey, angels, look at that person praying. I mean, day after day, month after month, they're seeking me. They really fear me. They really understand that I'm in control of heaven and earth. And then you will discover the knowledge of God. That's the promise. You will discover God's, God's knowledge when you're willing to, to, to ask in this way. And primarily, we don't receive, as it says in James chapter 4, you don't receive because you do not ask. Primarily, we don't ask. And then when we ask, we never wait long enough or cry out or seek this as for silver. But you can't do this, you know, with knowing where to park. 
I mean, there, there are decisions you have to make that, that are quicker. Now, you can, you can offer up a prayer to God, but it's not this process. And God understands that. But there are other decisions that are key decisions that you can pray and seek God. This is how you know God's will. And the other thing that happens is, you get to this place and there can be a real peace. So often God will manifest His will with a real understanding of peace. And you say, well, I have three counselors and one of the three counselors is, says this and the other two say this. What do I do? Counselors are counselors. They are not God. Everything is ultimately between you and God. We do know one thing. God's never going to go against His written word. So if you got some word that you know God says to do something against His written word, well, you know that that's not God. That's you. And we are all capable, and I am the master of this, of thinking I hear God. We know He's not going to go against His written word, but also with it can come a sense of peace. God grants His sense of peace when we're walking in His decisions. You know, and we don't receive everything that we always pray for. I'll give you an example, even from this week, that, that really, I mean, it hurt me a lot. We, we have this, this, this great device we've built. It's a switching device, can be used for memory. And, and, uh, and, and I was just praying, and the student working on this is, an, is a believer who became a, a believer his first year of graduate school, and now he's in his fourth year of graduate school. And... You know, I, I got together with him before we sent out the manuscript. I said, let's pray, and we sent it to a you know, really great journal. And uh, uh, I got on my knees right there in the office with him, and we prayed over this manuscript. Well, we sent it into the journal, and the journal just rejected it, sent it back. Wouldn't even send it out for review, just flat out rejected it before review. And so we sent it to another, so we just prayed, and we sent it to another great journal. Again, they wouldn't even review it. So we sent it to the third really great journal. And guess what? They sent it out for review. They thought it was really pretty good. They were sent it out for review. And just this week I got the two reviews back and neither of the reviewers said it should be published in that journal. And my heart just hit me. And I had gotten together with the student before we even sent it to the third journal and prayed again. But you know, I'm not God. I pray to God and I seek Him. And the decision is His. The decision is His. People say, oh, well, you know, you just deflated that young believer. I didn't deflate anybody. I taught him what I've done my whole life. I said, I've prayed over manuscripts. I've prayed over proposals before I've sent them in. Some get funded and some don't. Some, get in the, some things get published where we want them to be published and some don't. So what he learned is he learned that God answers some of our prayers the way we want and others he doesn't. And that's life. And then I move on. And, it, you know, it hit me and it, and it hurt me. And I, I write these things. You know, I just wrote it out. I'll journal it and I keep the date on it. You know, I mean, here, here I'll read to you. I wasn't even going to do this, but I just happened to have this in my journal. Here it is from, from uh, June 12, 2010. I found out yesterday that the silicon switch was rejected from... From, from science, even after all that prayer, I was terribly deject, dejected at the news. But I bow my knee before my father and gratefully accept his decision for my life. He knows what's best. He knows. Father, thank you. 
Show us the next steps, I pray, and develop it into the memory and vias you want to see it fit to be. Father, let's move on. That's it. You know, this is what life is. We pray, we seek God, we don't get everything we want. I mean, there was this, this, great, this, this, this great quote that, um, that Mike gave during the message today from Warren Wearsby. He said that the greatest judgment that God can give us is to give us our own way. The greatest judgment that God could give us is to give us our own way. And I know exactly what he's talking about. I mean, there are things that I have prayed for in my career, early on in my career, that God would give me, that God would do. I mean, if I had received those things early on in my career, it'd be like, what do I do now for an encore? You see what I mean? I mean, it's like the guys who walked on the moon at the age of 30. They would come back from the moon and they'd be depressed for years because they knew nothing, nothing that they were ever going to do in their lives was going to be as big as that event. Nothing. You know, if God had given me at the age of 30 all the things that I had prayed for, even in my career, at that time, I mean, I'd be just terribly depressed now because people would expect that of me now, much more. God gives us in His time, in His way. Thank God that He's broken off certain relationships that you've wanted to be there with somebody, thinking that they were going to be your spouse. God knows. In a few years, it'll be clear to you why that wasn't the right thing. You'll thank God that, oh God, thank you for not giving that person to me. Thank you, Lord. I mean, in your mercy, you kept me free of that. Even one of those people that you may have thought about all the time and couldn't get your mind off of, which you thought that, you know, if you could only be with them the rest of your lives, you will be happy. You'll see them a decade later and you'll be like, oh... (laughs) I'm so glad I'm not married to that person. I'd be miserable. God knows what's best. We seek Him. We seek His ways, but we get it when we seek it like a treasure. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Your Word is very clear. How we are supposed to seek. How we should have ears to hear. How we should... Be open to counsel. How we should seek your will as we would seek for hidden treasure and cry out for it and yearn for it. And so then you will give it. That is the promise. Father, thank you that you keep us ever at your feet. That you are not just some genie that we go and make request of. But you want relationship with your children. Thank you, Father. I pray for these young people that you'd give them hearts to seek your face, to seek your will, not to make rash decisions that would destroy their lives and separate them from their friends and their families. But Father, to hear you and to subject themselves to you and to your will by the grace of God. Have mercy on them in the name of Jesus. Amen.